Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us today at Cradle My Heart Radio, where my mission is giving voice to God's love. And our vision for this program is that we see a church healed of all of the impacts of abortion. And I have to say, I don't think we're anywhere close to that right now. I think that the church is searching, (laughs) I hope, for a way to address this problem in our world and in our culture. I think that the church is in need of leadership. I think many times pastors, elders, ministry leaders are in need of healing, uh, of equipping and encouragement. And that's what we aim to do here, is to bring the church into the conversation. You know, a lot of times uh, when we think about abortion, we think about angry protesters, whether at a government facility somewhere in front of the Capitol or outside of an abortion facility somewhere or even, you know, across the kitchen table as family members uh, contend with one another for women's rights and all of the other things that are brought into the discussion. But the fact of the matter is that a child is lost every single time an abortion occurs, which is happening at the rate of a million a year in our country. And year upon year upon year upon year, there are millions of missing children and hurting parents of those children because they're parents of those children. Uh, we don't think of it that way. We may not want to give them that status, but we're here to address that and to try and find a way for the church to become a leader on this issue, for the church to become the answer. Mark Lucas is my guest today, and he's the local ministry leader here at Faith Talk 1360, our flagship for Cradle My Heart Radio. And Mark, I'm so glad that you said yes to air this broadcast, and I'm so glad to be able to talk with you about your heart for uh, bringing the church into the conversation. You know, it's a joy to be on the show and a joy to really get to do some life with you and to be a part of this beautiful radio ministry mm. that uh, God's entrusted to you. Yeah, you know, just thinking about that vision, I'm every teenage girl knows, oh, if I want birth control, she knows exactly where to go in those, you know, two initials of that organization. She knows exactly what to do and where to go. And she knows how to skirt her parents' involvement right? Because all the kids know what all the kids know about that. Just imagine a world where all the kids knew, I can go talk to my pastor. He's got the answers I need. I'm going to go over there today. Oh, I know. Hey, the women's ministry leader up there has this all figured out for me. 
all my friends have talked with her about this problem. I mean, I just, we're not there, are we? No, we're not. And I think we've had this conversation, I believe, even over a lunch that we had recently, you and I, and it was an honor just to really kind of spend some time with you. And I love the opportunity that I get to be able to just spend time with each and every one of our hosts here at Faith Talk 1360 and just hear their their heartbeat and hear their, their mission and their passion for doing ministry and really proclaiming God's love across our airwaves. One of the things that I realized in that conversation, and you and I were so aligned in this, I think as a guy that served in the local church for 15 years, love the local church. I even have a t-shirt that says, I love my church. So that posture hasn't changed for me. But one thing that I've noticed in the process of now being away from the church, serving full-time in a capacity as a pastor, is that Sometimes leaders in the church, the shepherds that God has entrusted to teach the Word of God and to really shepherd and lead the people as they teach God's Word, sometimes they really don't smell like the sheep. And I think what's happened is that Mm. as a shepherd of a local church, you should smell like the flock. You should be in the lives of the people, as messy as it might be, you should be praying and knowing and relationally connecting with people that God has entrusted to you within that local church. And I feel like what's happened, there's probably a lot of variances and reasons why this has happened, but I think what's happened is that we continually right now are taking guys from college or taking women, men and women, from college. They're going straight into seminary. Now they're spending another two to four years getting that Master's of Divinity And yet they really haven't experienced much of working and marketplace and culture. And all they really know is really kind of the ivory towers Mm. of knowing theology and knowing language. And it's important, but they've, to a degree, I think, they've lost touch with really the community and really the pulse of the world. So go ahead. I don't know if you were going to go there, but I was thinking, you know, (laughs) if they're adhering to the advice, they're also being abstinent, which means they're not experiencing what people, their peers are experiencing with reproductive choice. Right. Even, you know, whether or not to be sexually active. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. On many, many levels, they're not having the same experience as the people that they're hoping to lead soon. Yeah. And I would say one of the passages that I've always kind of wrestled with, because I don't know if I, there's a lot of passages I don't have figured out, and the Holy Spirit helps me with all that, because <laughs> I am massively <laughs> under construction, work in progress. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that I've really kind of taken away in this conversation is really maybe my North Star is Jesus is very clear that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. And it's this balance of wisdom and innocence to be able to be keenly aware of what's happening in culture and society around us, but obviously not allowing that to indoctrinate us where we're sinning. Mm -hmm. So it's how do you balance being holy and set apart, as holiness would be in its definition, but also being indoctrinated in the culture and understanding what's going on in the minds and the hearts of the people in 2022 or whatever year we're listening to this podcast and this radio show. So at the end of the day, there's a a beautiful balance there, but I feel like to a degree at times certain ministry leaders are so far separated out from culture that they really don't understand. Like, wait, I have three kids, and they would never even think about ever 
having a conversation of, oh my gosh, you're pregnant and what do we do? Because they're going to be kind of bubble wrapped and go to a Christian school and only hang around with people inside of that bubble wrapped Christian school. And I mean, they're just kind of, it's asinine to think that you can just bubble wrap our kids and protect them from this conversation, but they're not really leaning in and really dissecting this. So anyways, I think that's kind of been what I've felt. And the church by and large, if I were to stand on any church in America Sunday and say, hey, and I shared this at lunch with you, hey, raise your hand if you're pro-life. Pretty much every hand would be up. Because, yeah, we're evangelical, and, yeah, we belong to a church, and we go to church, and we love God, so, yeah, we're pro-life. But then if I were to ask them, so now what does that mean? How are you advocating for that? How are you supporting that? How are you praying and walking side women that have gone through an abortion? Like, what does that look like for you And for the most part, I believe, Kim, there would just be crickets in the room. Right. Well, and I think, you know, so what is what is pro-life? And I can remember, Mark, when I I mean, there was a moment in time when I was redeemed from the abortion in my past. And at the same time, the Lord called me to speak truth. It was like Isaiah. My lips got burned. (laughs) He was like, Mm -hmm. go tell the truth. So, okay, great. Well, I was so. I, reluctant to identify myself as pro-life. I mean, I thought those crazy protesting people, and I'd been a follower of Christ for a long time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'd had to overcome the, oh, you're a Bible thumper, to call myself a Christian because I came to that kind of late in my adulthood, you know, my middle adulthood there. And so when you say pro-life, you know, if everyone would raise their hand in church, does it mean we're against abortion, Right. I like the definition that uh, one of my mentors, John Enzer, uses. And he says, it's saving innocent lives one woman at a time. Mm. You, can't, you can't have the babies without the women. Right. You know, I mean, we all, we all know this, and yet somehow we act as if that's not true. I'm defending unborn life. Well, how are you going to do that? As you said, you have to get engaged with the whole, you know, the whole problem, the whole, you know, the, the, the fathers. The fathers are the biggest influence. Everyone, you know, buys this rhetoric from abortion rights extremists that says, you know, it's empowering to women and it's her body and, her, you know, but guess what? Young women are looking to their partners and their parents, just like they always have. What should I do? Yeah. And if those partners and parents have the right answers, you know, that abortion is unthinkable, now we are working our way towards solving the problem. I mean, and and so you're talking about the isolation of pastors as being one of the big challenges. I think you're right about that, especially younger pastors. Um, why? But before we get to you know prescriptions and what pastors yeah. and church leaders might be able to do, I want to ask you just give me like the one paragraph reason why you are personally pro-life. Why does this matter to you? Well, I think it's a hard issue. I think it's a gospel conversation. I think at the end of the day, the more that I dive into and understand a Latin term, imago Dei, and really understanding that God from the moment of conception, so the moment that um, intercourse happens between a man and a woman and there is life there in that moment, God's hands are actively knitting that beautiful creation that's a reflection of who he is in imago Dei. That happens in that very moment. And I think the more that I understand that and believe with all of my soul to be truth, 
the more that I realize that this is a conversation that I've got to pray through. I've got to ask God, what is my space? What is my voice? How do I use my time? How do I use the talent and even the treasure that you've given me, Lord, to be able to serve you in this space, to be able to advocate for the gospel, knowing that you have created the one million lives that are lost every year. Those are lives that are Imago Dei. Those are lives that reflect the very image of God in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So when I think about passages like that at the end of the day, we have to, in my opinion, we have to have these conversations because at the end of the day, this is a conversation that is at the very epicenter of God's heart to create life that reflects him. And these are lives that he has created. These are lives that his hand has been upon and that we are changing the narrative and changing how we describe the destruction of these lives to call it tissue and all that's being changed in that narrative, which is just completely asinine and wrong and just violates me to the core because it violates the very heart of God and the love that he has for life. So that's what I would say. And I know that even sounds very theological and very, you're a Bible thumper, Mark. But at the end of the day, it's like there's there's a part of me, knowing that I have daughters, knowing that I care deeply about life. I mean, I remember the first time with our first child, Kaylin, I remember going in and getting the ultrasound at just, I think, eight mm. weeks. Mm. And I remember hearing the heartbeat. And it was like, and I'm like, how could you abort this life? Like, there is so much life here in just hearing the heartbeat and seeing what I saw on the screen was just so moving to me to know that that is life. Like, that is life. You're going to love this. Okay. In a future, we're speaking with Mark Lucas, who's the local ministry director at Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix. And I'm Kim Catola, your host. And this is Cradle My Heart Radio. So I wrote a blog post about this. You probably saw it, New York Times, a few weeks ago that said, that's not a heartbeat. That's the sound of the ultrasound machine. Was with, That was the money quote. Asinine. It was like 10,000 words to say that, but that's pretty much what they said. And I mean, it, it's lying. It's just lying. And I don't know who they believe is credulous enough to buy into that other than scared young women mm-hmm. who feel they have no other choice. And they're looking for a justification to believe that lie, that it's not yet a baby. It's just tissue, that that's not a heartbeat. Maybe they even had an ultrasound mark. And they're like, no, 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 that's not a heartbeat. You can still do this and, you know, feel good about yourself. And to me, what's so interesting about that is it's such an exploitation. You know, I recently saw something from uh, World Population Institute, I think, is the source. But anyway, I blogged about it. So you can go to cradlemyheart.org and read the blog. But they said 58% of women who have an abortion do it to please someone else. Mm-hmm. So empowerment is off the table, right? So if if I'm trying to please someone else, but I'm acting against my conscience or you know, I'm I'm trying to avoid figuring out if this is right or wrong, but I'm just trying to preserve a relationship by pleasing someone else. You know, all that stuff then works. It's magic. Oh, okay, I can still have my boyfriend, even though he's the one promoting this to me, and it won't be doing anything wrong. You know, it's such a scheme of exploitation of everybody involved. 
And I think, you know, as I'm asking pastors and elders and ministry leaders to step up and speak up and trying to show them how to do that, what a task. (laughs) They've got to, first of all, defend unborn life. Mm -hmm. They've got to tell people that it's a sin and that it gravely violates the image of God in all of his creation. But then they've got to somehow say, you know, but if you fell prey to this, please know you're not above God's forgiveness. Right. What a task. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, it's so, I just love your heart in so many ways to have these conversations with the beautiful listening audience of Faith Talk and the podcast world. I think at the end of the day, just to kind of add to what you just shared, because I totally agree and say amen to all of it. I think if you're a local pastor or if you're if you're even just a part of the family and you have a relationship with God, I think at the very core of who we are, we want ourself and others who are followers of Jesus to have, as Jesus would put in John 10, 10, this abundant life. And I think if that's a promise that Jesus makes to us, which he does for all of us, the reality is, is that when you think about the compounded shame and ramifications of what these men and women are walking around with these dark, dark clouds that loom over them each and every day, it's hindering them from really walking this abundant life that Jesus wants for us. So at the end of the day, as a pastor, at the end of the day, as a a fellow son or daughter of the king in this relationship that we get to have with God personally, at the end of the day, we're really hindering and we're allowing this kind of Achilles heel of the enemy to just continually just obstruct people from walking this abundant life that God wants. And we're just allowing it if we don't address it and allowing it if we don't bring it into light. So you got something. I, I asked God to set a guard on my lips, so I don't want this to sound like a goad. <laughs> however, my I, I can speak from experience. My spiritual growth was so stunted mm. until I was healed. That's just what you're talking about. There was a cloud following me around. I was not going to step out that anybody might know me and know all the details of my past. And so the goad is, Pastor, are you having trouble getting people to offer abundant service, offer abundant care, offer abundant ministry and fellowship in your church? You might have a church in need of healing. And if not on this issue, you know, maybe it's a culture of healing that needs to happen in the church. Maybe, and I haven't really actually thought of it in those terms, Mark, but, you know, it's not just this issue, right? I mean, it's the pornography, it's the, you know, addictions, it's the all of the Mental health, needs yeah, for healing. Right. But I can, I can promise you that if a church does not have a culture of healing, this issue is not on their radar screen. You know, I mean, I've had pastors tell me that's not an issue in my church, and that's statistically impossible. Well, you even said, or maybe I said this, but I recently read, and I think you know the numbers because you're a lot brighter than I am, I think it's 40 percent, up to 40 percent within the church have walked through an abortion. So, I, I think, mean, and I, Barna has said, the most conservative estimate I've seen, Barna said 20 percent of born-again evangelicals. Yeah. So, you know, our faith is not, our faith doesn't protect us from alcoholism. Our faith doesn't protect us from divorce. Our faith doesn't always protect us from sin. And especially if we're not, if we came to faith under this, you know, unhealed state Mm -hmm. and no one's telling us you need healing. 
So do you have maybe um, talking about equipping and encouraging, do you have what are what are your top scriptures that you think people need to dig into, know, study, learn, claim uh, on this issue of uh, protecting life as well as redeeming and abortion healing in the church? Well, I mean, I'll go back to what I just quickly referenced, John 10.10. I think at the end of the day, there's this vibrant life that God wants for all of us. And I used to have this conversation often, and I still do, not with as much frequency, but I used to ask people that I met with individually or sometimes even in a group setting, if zero represents salvation and saying yes to Jesus and becoming a believer, okay? And then 10 represents on this scale that we're going to envision right now in our minds. If, if you're driving, don't write this down. But 10 represents Jesus Jr., so you've somehow <laughs> completed the sanctification process, and you're walking as if Jesus is walking in you and through you, okay? We'll never obviously get to the 10. Where do you find yourself on that scale? And I've asked this probably close to, and I'm going to try not to expound this too much, but probably almost 10,000 times, okay, to 10,000 people, Sure. okay? Most people, by and large, put themselves at a 2 or a 3, mm. And these are most people that have walked in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus for at minimum a decade. Wow. Okay? Wow. But typically a decade to two walking with Jesus in a relationship. So I think really the follow-up question is the question that I would kind of go into when you ask this, why? Right. And I think we've already really touched on it. I think so often inside of the church— we're not communicating a message that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Right. Vulnerability is this superpower that we have to, from the stage down, we've got to communicate from God's word the importance. When I read Psalms, David is a hot mess when he writes Psalms, and he's okay to communicate his emotional roller coaster of ups and downs and what he's going through in the way of sin, what he's going through in the way of trials. He's raw. He's vulnerable. And I love David so much because he's modeling for us, thousands of years later, he's modeling for us as followers of Jesus and as the church should be communicating an ethos, it's okay to not be okay, but let's not stay this way. So I don't want to have a pastor, and not all pastors do this, but I've heard too many sermons where a pastor gives a visual through a story where they say, back when I was in junior high and I made that horrendous (laughs) sin or did that, I cheated on a test or I I skipped three classes senior year or whatever. I kissed a girl too long in the back of my truck. That makes you sound like you're so hoity-toity and wrapped in like the holy bubble. I can't relate to you. Right. I actually had an elder say to me to after hearing my testimony, you know, I never had a prodigal period. Okay, well. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like, I, I have a hard time even hearing your words right now. I've because just always been in the church, and I've just I always just, been a follower of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. And paint any patriarch or paint any... New Testament writer that was infused with the Spirit to write anything in the New Testament, and they're just full of messes. So one of the most important things a pastor has ever said to me 
And it was a really extraordinary experience. I was in a group of women who were being most, I think we were all women, just happened to be that way. It wasn't a women's gathering. But they were all serving in pregnancy help ministry. Uh, other than me, I was doing media at the time, as I'm doing now, on the pregnancy help movement and abortion recovery. And um, I had disclosed to the group that, you know, I was I had been redeemed and that it was my joy and that's, that I'm called to share God's love. And he came around from the lectern and stood behind my shoulders, put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, I want to apologize for you, to you, that as a pastor— I did nothing to tell you that there was a better choice for you and that when you came to Christ, I did nothing all those years when you were languishing in your need of a path to repentance to help you get there. I'm really sorry. This is on me. And it was shocking. I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, it was so healing that he would take that responsibility and I'm not suggesting that pastors need to, you know, do a grand gesture like that. But I think that maybe that inspires pastors, you know, how important they are and how much a, a word or a touch like that could really make a difference in the lives of the people that they're leading. Yeah. Kim, what a joy to be on the show with you. Thanks so much for doing what you're doing. We could talk for hours. Mark Lucas, thank you. Mark is the local ministry director at Faith Talk 1360. And I'm Kim Catola, your host for Cradle My Heart Radio. And um, there are there. I, I try to follow the news and put some commentary in that will be of value if you are trying to stand for the cause of life and take that challenge that Mark laid out there. What are you doing about it? <laughs> and uh, so if you just go to cradlemyheart.org and... Click on the blog tab. You'll find lots of uh, responses to uh, stories about abortion in the news. And there's also some ministry outreach there. If you are in need of help or if you're in need of uh, pregnancy support, please go to cradlemyheart.org, and I think you'll find something there for you. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola preventing abortion, and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.